God, thank you for your word. Thank you that we can trust it. Thank you that it shows us how things truly are. It gives us the truth. And most importantly, thank you how it reveals to us your love for us in your son, Jesus Christ. I pray your Holy Spirit would rest on me to bring your word to your people today. And thank you, Father, that we can come aside in this time together to worship you, to seek your face and your word, to pray, to honor you. Uh, and we pray that you just fill us again with your Holy Spirit and fill us with hope through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. In Psalm 33, we'll pick up with verse 10. The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He frustrates the plans of the peoples. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord the people whom he has chosen as his heritage. The Lord looks down from heaven. He sees all the children of man. From where he sits enthroned, he looks out on all the inhabitants of the earth. He who fashions the hearts of them all and observes all their deeds. The king is not saved by his great army. A warrior is not delivered by his great strength. The war ho horse is a false hope for salvation and by its great might it cannot rescue. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his steadfast love, that he may deliver their soul from death and keep them alive in famine. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. For our heart is glad in him because we trust in his holy name. Let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us, even as we hope in you. And then we'll go on to Psalm 62, verse 9 to 12. Those of low estate are but a breath. Those of high estate are a delusion. In the balances they go up. They are together lighter than a breath. Put no trust in extortion. Set no vain hopes on robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart on them. Once God has spoken, twice I have heard this, that power belongs to God and that to you, O Lord, belongs steadfast love, for you will render to a man according to his work. And then finally, jumping over into the New Testament, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 17, 18, and 19. Paul's writing here and he says, as for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. May God bless to us this reading from his holy word. Well, we've been talking about hope. And last week we talked about why uh, we hope for light, but we get darkness, that there's no truth in the public squares. Uh, and, uh, and this week we want to talk a little bit about the false kinds of hope that people have and how we need to abandon these false hopes to really find true hope 
true hope in the Lord. And, and that's what we need. I mean, our nation right now, I think even Europe right now, is in a hope crisis. So many of the younger generation have lost all hope that their quality of life will be anything like their parents. When I remember that the great hope of my parents and a, and a realistic hope was that I would have a better quality of life than they did, uh, which I have, I have had. But the younger generation, they don't have hope. We look at our government and how can we possibly have hope when we see what is going on around us and, and we think that maybe, you know, Europe could possibly provide us hope, but we look at that and they say, okay, 12 days or else, you know, it's all over. And so we're seeing this all around us and, and people are feeling rather hopeless. And when you feel rather hopeless, you begin to feel rather powerless and incapable of doing anything. And of course, as Christians, we've said that Christian hope is different from worldly hope. And we've given this definition that Christian hope is an earnest expectation of good, good outcomes, and a good future based on a true knowledge of God and God's promises founded on a relationship with the Father through the resurrected Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's our hope. It's based in a relationship with God that is founded on the truth of who God really is and what God has told us he would do, the promises of God. The problem is, very few people, including Christians, actually have Christian hope. Our hope tends to be in other things, other dynamics, or our hope tends to be things that are not, not much more than wishful thinking. And so in the text that we read today, we actually saw three different kinds of false hope, three different grounds, uh, false grounds for hope, you might say. And the beginning there in Psalm 33, the first part of the text that, that uh, we read, verse 10, it says, the Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He frustrates the plans of the people. One of our great hopes is in democracy. Now, I believe in democracy. I think uh, the democratic system, whether it's a parliamentary democracy like we have, uh, a republican democracy as in the United States, I think in, in terms of global governance styles, it's the one that I would like to live in. In spite of our problems, I think I would still rather be there than under some despotic dictator. Uh, we saw you know, what happened in places like Zimbabwe, for example. But democracy is not something that gives us hope. It's a false ground for hope. The text says that the Lord actually frustrates the plans of the people. And actually, if you look at the Bible and you see all the times that democracy was working, it really makes you question whether or not you could have hope in it. For example, think about in the Exodus from Egypt and they were ready to go across the Jordan. God was going to take them into the promised land, and a majority of people said, no, 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 we don't want to go. Joshua and Caleb said, let's go, and de democratically, the majority won out, and yet the majority was contrary to the will of God, and it led to 40 more years of wandering in the wilderness. Or think when they wanted a king, and they came, and the people cried out to Samuel, Samuel, we want a king. And God said, Samuel, don't worry about it. They were rejecting me. They're not rejecting you. Uh, democracy had its way, 
and yet it led to the divided Israel. Or think about on that day in which Jesus was crucified, when Pilate gave the people gathered the democratic right to choose who would be offered up, uh, who would be set free, Barabbas or Jesus. And the people cried out, crucify him. So democracy is a false hope. We've seen that even in terms of the voting here and referendums and, and different kinds of things like that. Oftentimes, referenda do not achieve the purposes that people hope they will achieve. Democracy is a false basis of hope. It's a false hope to hope in democracy. But that's not all. Uh, some others hope in other things. Uh, if we skip on a little bit further down to verse 16 in Psalm 33. Pardon me. We read, The king is not saved by his great army. A warrior is not delivered by his great strength. The war horse is a false hope for salvation, and by its great might it cannot rescue. Power is a false basis for hope. Hoping in power is a false hope. I might say, well, are people doing that? Yes. All you need to do is see what's happening right now with the contest about proroguing parliament. That whole issue is about power. It's who has the most power, and whoever has the most power will get things accomplished. And so people start thinking that if we have the power, if we can get the majority on our side so that we can be powerful, then we can accomplish what we desire. That was the whole basis of, of rejecting some of the things from uh, the prime minister, uh, whether or not you agree with what he was doing, what he was saying. What we were seeing in parliament was nothing more or less than a power contest. I've seen this in churches. I've seen churches that, that say, well, if we only got enough power to overthrow that pastor that we don't like, or if we only have enough power to put the elders that we want in charge, then you know, our church will be better. Then we will have hope. Then our church will grow and produce and, and accomplish whatever we want it to accomplish. We see that all around us. We see how people are using that in terms of the legal system in everyday life. The legal system today, both here in, in the United States and other places in the West, is not about what is just and right. It is often about who can exercise the greatest power and wield the judicial system in a powerful way to accomplish what we desire. And that's why you bring in those high-powered lawyers. You know, notice how we say that? common phrase, high-powered lawyers to come in on our side, and if our high-powered lawyers are of a higher power than your higher-powered lawyers, then somehow we're going to win the day. You see this in governmental systems. You see this in China and what's happening. You know, China is more about the power in the central leader. You see that in Russia. You see all around people who are saying, if we just had the right person in power, then things would be better. I even remember after the, the Easter Day bombings in, in uh, uh, Sri Lanka, one of the Christian women there was being interviewed, and she said, oh, if we only had, I think it's something like, if we only had a strong man in government, in government who could lead us, 
what was she looking for? She was looking for somebody who had exercised power, thinking that if we only had the power, then we have hope. And we see Christians all the time fall into this delusion, even in the marketplace, thinking if we can get power, then we can impose our Christian ways, which we all know, and it is true that it would be better for everybody if we were a genuinely Christian nation. But if we think we can impose it by power, we're wrong. So power is a basis of false hope. Uh, And then you look at uh, Psalm 62, and you see another uh, basis of false hope, uh, or a false basis of hope. Um, Looking at Psalm Psalm 62, 9 to 12, it says, Put no trust in extortion, set no vain hopes on robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart on them. A lot of people today set their hope in getting enough money. If I only have enough money, then that gives me hope. My hope is that I have enough money that I can be comfortable. If I have enough money, I can protect myself against the the bad things that might happen to me. If I have enough money, then I have hope. Now, there's nothing wrong with money at all. We're not anti-money, but money cannot be our basis of hope. Money cannot satisfy. We cannot hope whatsoever in money. In fact, if we put our hope in money, we will never enjoy money. And we probably will never have money. So what is the basis for our hope? Well, the psalmist tells us here very clearly, we are to hope in God's steadfast love. Now notice the psalmist is not talking about hoping in love as it's commonly understood in our society, which is nothing more than kind of a wishy-washy sentimentality uh, that projects our preferences onto other people and other things. Uh, Hope for the psalmist is something much, much deeper. In fact, that word translated steadfast love means faithfulness to the covenant. It's about faithfulness. It's a love that holds on. It's a love that endures. It's a love that cannot be broken. It's a love that cannot be shaken. It's a zealous commitment to others for their benefit, for their good. And that's the kind of love that has, God has for us. And this love that God has for us is steadfast. In other words, it does not depend on what our government's doing. It doesn't depend on how much money we have or don't have. It doesn't depend on our power level. It doesn't depend on whether we have the democracy, the voice of the people behind us. It depends completely on the love of God, on God himself, who remains steadfast, who remains true, who remains committed to us. And this is our basis for hope. We hope in God's steadfast love. And we live our lives out of that hope. This means that it doesn't matter whether labor or conservatives are in power, we still have hope if our hope is in the steadfast love of God. Doesn't mean it means that whether we're rich or poor, we still have hope. It means whether we're powerful or weak, we still have hope because we are hoping in the steadfast love of God. And that is the ground of our hope. Remember, our definition is uh, an earnest expectation of good, good outcomes and a good future based on a true knowledge of God and God's promises. And one of his promises is that we will have, as his people, his steadfast love. 
and that means we have hope. But it means even more than that. And Paul begins to echo this in the passage that we, that we read when he said he challenges the rich and he says, hey guys, don't t- tell the rich, don't put your hope in riches. Don't put your hope in riches, uh, but you put your hope on God. God is the source of your hope. God is the focus of your hope. And when we have that hope, when we have that hope in the steadfast love of God, when it's anchored in God, then we can fulfill what he says in verse 18. We are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. So we who have hope in the steadfast love of God, that hope is not something that causes us to sit idly by and just wait until the storm blows over. The hope is something that causes to engage with other people, Christians and not uh, non-Christians, to engage with them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. That hope is what propels us onward. That hope is what allows us to engage with our society in a positive way so that when people experience us doing good, when they experience the good works that we do, when they experience our generosity and our readiness to share, it draws them to ask, okay, where is your hope? In, in whom, uh, how is your hope grounded? In whom do you trust? Do you hope? And it gives us the opportunity to point people to Jesus. As Christians, we must abandon any of these bases of false hope or the false bases of hope. We must abandon them and set our hope clearly on the steadfast love of God because the cross of Christ is our guarantee that that love never fails and the resurrection of Jesus Christ is our promise that that love never ends, never dies. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much. Help us, Father. Help us to see when we're putting our hope in these false bases of hope. Help us to see and make the commitment to only hope in your steadfast love steadfast love that never fails, that never dies, that never lets go. We love you and praise you and thank you for giving us this hope. Through Jesus Christ, amen.